read from 2 Peter, and let's, for the sake of context, read from verse 3. So 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is God's word. Well, we've spent the last few weeks taking a slow walk through 2 Peter 1, taking in what Peter has to say on the subject of sanctification, which is just the fancy word for saying uh, growing in Christ-likeness. And here's the quick recap. When it comes to growing in Christ-likeness, Verses 3 and 4 told us that God supplies the power. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His very great and precious promises are that one day, if you love and follow Jesus, you will have that. You will have that righteousness, that godliness. But, as we saw, growth in godliness is not automatic. No, you roll up your sleeves. That's what we saw in verses 5 to 7 last week. God supplies the power, therefore, the text says, make every effort to add to your faith. So that's how you become increasingly Christ-like. And again, as we reflected on last week, it's not necessarily by leaps and bounds by the John Travolta peak, as it were, last week. But, but in terms of the aggregation of marginal gains, growing bit by bit, being sanctified just bit by bit, over and over, in each of these areas, in many, all of the areas that, are, uh, that our Christian life touches on. And having seen uh, the what of the godliness in verses 3 and 4, and the how of verses 5 and 7, verses 8 to 11 that we're looking at tonight show us the why. Here's the motivation. This is why we should want to make every effort to grow. And what Peter does here for us in verse 8 to 11 is kind of dangles two proverbial carrots. These are the rewards of those for those who press on and make every effort. They roll up their sleeves, they press on in the faith to grow in Christ's likeness. And they're dangled for us to motivate us and to drive us forwards. And they are, two points tonight, effectiveness in this life and entry into the next. Let's look at point one then, effectiveness in this life in verses eight and nine. 
Now, verses 8 and 9 contain a very simple uh, if-but argument, or an if-if-not argument. Look with me at verse 8. Here's why we should want to grow in Christ-likeness. Here's why we should want to put in the effort when it comes to growing to be more like Jesus. If you possess these qualities, it says, as in the qualities of verses 5 to 7, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that tells us that if you are growing in Christ-likeness, plain and simple, you will be a fruitful believer. You will bear fruit. Now, because Peter says this, it's a kind of a positive thing, but it's got a negative aspect to it. You need to know that it's possible to be an ineffective and unproductive Christian. Ineffective in uh, the word that Peter uses here, um, the word means to be idle. It was a word that was used back then to describe lazy workers who should have been in the field um, rolling up their sleeves and getting to work, but who were just hanging around chatting. And you probably work beside someone like this. You know, it's the lazy guy who makes far too many trips to the coffee maker, uh, takes way too long in the toilet, and he gets through half as much work as anybody else. Uh, he's, he's lazy. And because of that, not productive at all. Uh, maybe you live with someone like that. You know, they sit around on their phone all the time, refreshing Facebook 23 times an hour, you know, just to see what's new. They never do the dishes, never take their turn to clean. They're lazy. And because of that, they're unproductive. Some of you are looking a little bit sheepish. It has to, has to be said. Uh, the word for unproductive just basically means unfruitful. And I think this might be a helpful image for us. Because what Peter does here is he just picks up on a very, very common biblical image to show, um, to pick up on fruitfulness. Those apples were not shaped like that when I put them on that tree. It has to be said. There's a... It's a weird tree, that. Um, uh, so <laughs> fruitfulness is what Peter's talking about. Ignore that, ignore that. Um, so fruit on a tree visibly demonstrates what? The health and the vitality of that tree. If the branches are laden with fruit, you've got a good tree, despite their shape. If not, you don't. That's the point. If That's the whole fruitfulness imagery that runs throughout the Bible. If, it's, if the branches are laden with fruit, you've got a good tree, it's productive. If not, you don't. Now, growing in Christ-likeness, Peter's trying to say to us, is the key to this fruitful life. Look with me at verse 8 again. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Now, the NIV is a good translation, but puts those two things together. But in the original Greek, those two things are separate. So it says, if you possess these qualities and are increasing in them. So it's not quite close together. It's just two different things. So if you're making every effort to be Christ-like in character, and you're increasing in these qualities of faith and goodness and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, then you'll be effective. Productive in your knowledge of Jesus. You are putting what you take from here and putting in here and you're working it out in your life in a way that brings change. It's bearing fruit. 
making you more Christ-like in your character, as we saw last week. Christ-like in your disposition, in your attitude. You're persevering and enduring despite what life throws at you. You're Christ-like in your relationships, being effective at demonstrating love and it's in, through, through your own. Being productive when the knowledge of God's forgiveness helps you forgive others. And, you know, I thought about this even this productiveness in relation to what we looked at last week and those three aspects of growing in Christ-likeness in terms of character, resolve, or disposition, and in relationships. But as I was praying before the service tonight, I realized just how important this productiveness is vital for us even in relation to our vision, who we are as a church, and what we're looking to pursue in terms of love, grow, serve, go. We want to be productive, don't we, in terms of our love for God? We want to increasing that, increasing that all the more as we come to know the vastness of his love for us. We want to grow in Christ-likeness in the ways that I've mentioned. We want to be increasingly effective in our service as we put the gifts that God has given us uh, into play. And we really want to be effective in terms of mission. We've been thinking about that over the last two Sunday morning services. Of, and I'm praying really for that fruit of the, if you're keeping in mind the parable of the sword of the 30, the 60, the 100 fold. You know, there's produce, there's an effect from our evangelism. Don't we want that kind of thing? Don't we want to be effective and productive to see some fruit in all of this? Well, we should, because if we possess these qualities and are increasing in them, we'll not waste our lives in idleness. We'll not get to the end and have nothing to show for it. I mean, who likes getting, think, even setting aside sanctification for a second and just thinking about life and the day-to-day and the work life and so on. I, I, I don't think, I, I, no, in fact, I haven't. I haven't met anyone who gets to the end of the day having got through barely a third of their to-do list and said, I have not achieved very much today. This is a good day. That just doesn't happen. No, it's more the case that we find ourselves to be, well, really discouraged and frustrated at our lack of effectiveness in whatever it is that we're putting our hand to. I mean, the Android and the app stores just make an absolute bomb selling productivity apps to try and help us do everything better in a faster way. We want to be more productive not only in these areas, but especially in sanctification. And Peter says to us that if we, if we make every effort to add to our faith, goodness, and so on, if we make every effort to participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in this world caused by evil desires, we'll be effective. We'll not get to the end of our 2016 And have nothing to show for it. We'll not get to the end of our lives when we're lying on our deathbed and have nothing to show for it. We'll not be like that wasted life graph that I showed you last week. There was barely any produce the whole way along and then boom, that's it. It's a wasted life. 
God has given us his commands to obey. God has given us his instruction that we might put his glory on display to a watching world and tell out that gospel to everyone. Hundreds of thousands of people who need to hear it. And said to us that we can be effective when we make every effort to become more like Jesus. It is a key driver in everything that we do. And I wonder if we grasp that. Peter's dangling it as a carrot for you. Don't you want this? Don't you want are you happy being ineffective and unproductive if that's what you are? If I were to ask you which of these two trees best represent your Christian life, which one would you say? If you identify with a fruitful tree, then praise God. I believe it. I believe it. God is extremely gracious to us, isn't he? I mean, I look back over the last 12 months and see some areas that God has sanctified me as he does so through and through and continues to do so. He's very, very gracious and very, very powerful even to bring about changes in things that I felt fairly hopeless about. He's at work in these ways. Praise God for this and press on. Keep growing. Make the most of the power that's at your supply. Keep on rolling up those sleeves and put that power to work. As God has made available to us. And let the evidence of that fruit then give you confidence in your faith as you go. We'll get to that in a second. But maybe you identify with the unfruitful tree. I think we, you then, we, who struggle with that, ought to see this text as a warning. Because that's what Peter provides in verse 9. Because you might be sitting here saying, well, what if I don't see these qualities in me? What if I don't see them increasing? Well, Peter says here in verse 9, if you don't, you might have a combination of two serious conditions. You might just be blind. You might just be forgetful. If you don't have them, verse 9 says, you're nearsighted and blind. You've got spiritual blindness. So he talks about being short-sighted here. If you're short-sighted, you can't really see what's ahead of you. In fact, you're so incapable of seeing what's in front of you, you're, you're effectively blind. You're like Mr. Magoo. Does anyone remember Mr. Magoo? Mr. Magoo was on TV when I was a kid. So I, I just noticed that all the people who are way younger than me just went, huh? Like that. And the others just went, yeah, yeah, I remember. Mr. Magoo, uh, you can look it up, YouTube him later. There's a sentence I never thought I'd say. YouTube Mr. Magoo. Uh, Mr. Magoo was a cartoon. Um, he was a wealthy, short retiree. Funny to be in a cartoon when you think of it. He got into all sorts of hilarious predicaments as a result of his short-sightedness. Uh, he had very big glasses. Uh, I was seven when I watched this, by the way. And, but even, even I knew that the difficulty that he encountered was compounded by his stubborn refusal to admit that he was seriously short-sighted, that he just could not see. In the program, of course, through some uncanny streaks of luck, as it describes, the situation always seemed to work itself out for him, leaving him no worse than before. That's Mr. Magoo. Now, if we're not making every effort to add to our faith and applying the power that God has made available to us, if it's at our supply, 
then he, basically, we're just like Mr. Magoo. We're so short-sighted, we're unable to see the danger around us, effectively blind to what's going on around you, but unlike Magoo, the situation does not work itself out for us, leaving us no worse than before. In fact, Peter seems to suggest that not possessing these qualities, not increasing in them, leads to a deeper problem. Um, And that's true in lots of other areas. Again, setting aside sanctification, think about it in terms of fitness levels. You know, if you're not exercising properly, you lose stamina, you lose your fitness level. I, I, I thought of Ricky Hatton as I was writing this. Ricky Hatton was a champion boxer just a few years ago. And at the height of his training, despite being a wee guy, he was, he was ripped. You know, you couldn't even pinch a millimetre, never mind an inch. And, and, but now that he's stopped training, I saw him on TV just a few weeks ago. He's quite a, he's a podgy little thing. You know, he's obviously lost his fitness. I wouldn't say that to his face. But um, he's quite, a, he's, like, he's just lost, he's deteriorated in his fitness level. Maybe the same goes for us in language learning. How many of us were taught... Um, to a fairly decent level, maybe French or German or Spanish at school. I, I think there's a kind of use it or lose it um, principle that happens here. You know, there's, I mean, I learned German at school, but apart from asking you, haben Sie einem Haustier? I don't really know an awful lot, and that's have you any pets. Um, uh, you know, we get fairly stumped. I actually, if I went to Germany just now, I really couldn't find my way around. I would look ridiculous and sound even more ridiculous. I use those illustrations of fitness and language learning to show us that if we're not making every effort to increase in these things, we'll depreciate in these things, we'll regress. There's no standing still. All you have to do to become spiritually blind is do nothing. Don't roll up your sleeves, pay zero attention to anything that I'm saying, and just wish I was finished. But the solution is available. Short-sighted people can see with the right kind of prescription. The gospel provides the right lens for seeing crystal clearly what we ought to do. How we ought to live. To see the world for what it is. Temptation for what it is. Sin for what it is. To see Jesus for who he is. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I really, I wonder if you're seeing clearly who Jesus is. Matt did a great job earlier of of lifting our eyes to him. And I wonder, did you see him clearly? The one through whom the world was made. The one who, the eternal one who stepped into our world in order to rescue us from the corruption that's in it. By dying on a cross for us. Do you see his love? Do you see it clearly? Has it really gripped your heart yet? To the point that you say, I love him for what he did. If not, you might not, I don't think you're a Christian yet. But believing in the Lord Jesus and turning from your sin, the Bible says, is the only way that you can be saved. He is, as we read from John 14 earlier, the way, the truth, the life. 
if you, trust me, I've spent 19 years of my life having not knowing Jesus, thinking it was a fairy tale. If you've not let your friend who brought you or somebody sitting in here take a few minutes, to, even tonight, just to tell you, here's who Jesus is. Here's why I think he's awesome and I love him. Let me tell you about him. Let somebody do that for you. And then think deeply about what they said. Do that. Please. Um, there are two problems, of course, that Peter mentions here. You can be spiritually blind, but he also says you can be spiritually forgetful. You've got spiritual amnesia, really. Verse 9, you've forgotten that you've been cleansed from your past sins. Now, this is Peter's way of saying, look, if, you're, if you know that you've got this power available to you, but you're not rolling up your sleeves and putting it to work, it might be the case that you're not living as forgiven people should. I think the cleansing that he's talking about here is a reference to baptism. So it's as if he's saying, look, you've let the zeal that you once had at your baptism just fritter away. Once you stood up and you said, by profession of faith, uh, this is what my life was once like. Then I met Jesus and everything changed and now I'm living for him. But the kind of enthusiasm that you had at that time and the focus that you had at that time is gone. Peter says you're forgetting those things. But that's not right. If You don't tend to forget the things that are most precious to you, do you? You don't forget those things. You do everything that you can to remember those things. You take photos of it or you write it in a journal or something. I've got this funny little thing where in my bag, I carry it with me everywhere I go. I've got this tiny little kind of golden disc thing. It's just like a piece of ticker tape type thing. And it, it, it represents for me an incredible memory. Years ago, we took uh, uh, two of my kids to Disney. We, we found out we had a ton of Tesco Club Guard vouchers and we were like, we're going to America. Goodness knows how we managed that. Anyway, must have bought a lot of fuel. Um, we went there and there was, you know, my, my daughter was so into Mickey Mouse Clubhouse at the time, right? She just loved Mickey Mouse and all those little friends dancing around. She joined in the dances and the songs. There was this one point where in the live show, so she was already, you know, a jaw dropping. There's Mickey! You know, she was so excited. And at this bit at the end, everybody was up dancing. The, it was like the heavens opened and the golden ticker tape all started. All these golden discs started falling down. And I treasure with all my heart the look on my daughter's face. Oh, that was happiness right there for a two and a half year old. Oh, what joy! Like, you, I hold on to it because actually it's just a thing. It sounds silly, I suppose, but it's precious. We, we, we remember, we do everything we can to remember the things that we treasure the most. And if you are not doing everything you can, making every effort to remember with all your heart the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the great lengths that Jesus Christ went to to make us alive with him, to take us safely through death and into eternity with him forever. I don't think you're a Christian. 
We don't forget that. If we really grasp how serious sin is, and how utterly undeserving we were of God's kindness and forgiveness, and grasp this love, we take every opportunity to recall it. I want to say that it can be so easy to slip into vague interest when it comes to Christianity. Don't you think? So you don't treasure this much. Actually, you do wish I was finished and stopped talking. Or actually, the reason why you come is is because it's all about the friendship, actually. You just want to have a cup of tea with your friend that you've not seen since last Sunday. Or you just want to go to Wee PM and hang with your buddies. Well, you're missing the point. There should be concern if that's the case. It's frighteningly easy to just slip into vague interest when it comes to the faith and not make every effort. Let me give you an illustration. If you ask me, Liam, what football team do you support? I would say Aberdeen. You don't need to laugh at me saying that. Now, you could say to me, what evidence is there? And I would say, well, <laughs> uh, yeah. When I was younger, I went to all the games when they played Hearts and Heads, because Aberdeen's quite far away. You know, so whenever they come, came down and played here, I used to go and watch them play there. Okay. What, what other evidence is there? Well, I saw them win the Skull Cup final years ago. Duncan Shearer scored. Yeah? Does that count? Yeah. Liam, name five players that play for Aberdeen right now. Uh, Jim Leighton. You know, I, I don't know. I couldn't. So in other words, there's, there's no real evidence that I really do support Aberdeen. Okay, but my friend, Mark, for example, well, he's got a season ticket. He can name the full team squad. He's quite geeky about it to the point where he could actually tell you to to the very number, how many people can get into Pitodri. You know, it's a bit weird in some respects. But I say that because there are those who really follow Aberdeen and there are those who really don't. And I'm the one who really doesn't. Um, if I remember, I'll check on Sky Sports to see if they've scored any goals or not. But it's frighteningly easy. I use that illustration to show that it's frighteningly easy to just slip into vague interest. And vague interest might just be the sign, if you're not making any effort in the faith, that you're spiritually blind and a spiritual amnesiac. If you are a Christian, you're in a seriously bad situation. That's why these warning passages are here. They're here to show lax and lazy Christians that doing nothing won't work. These warning passages are here to make sure that we see the great value and importance of making every effort to add to our faith in light of the, the power that God has made available to us. So that 
we get to the end of our lives and have something to show for it. We need to look for fruit. We need to be fruitful people. There's a reason why, as Paul writes to the Thessalonian church, he tells, he, he writes to them and tells them, oh, now we know, now my heart... Now I'm really alive because I know that you're walking in the faith because I see your faith, your hope, your love, your definitive marks of Christianity. There is evidence. You know, even Jesus said, and talking about trees, actually again, um, uh, in relation to true Christians and in relation to false teachers, he said, by their fruit you shall know them. Even John the Baptist, as he's addressing, is it Philip? I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, early on in Luke's gospel, we'd cry out, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, show the evidence of it. And we're called to be those who are fruitful. Because if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, these are the things that will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. If we don't have these, we're nearsighted and blind and forgetful. So do you look forward to reading your word, reading God's word? Do you look forward to coming together to hear it preached and look forward to those times when you gather in small groups like WePM and growth groups and young adults and so on where you're thinking through the text together and helping each other understand how does this apply to me? How does this apply to you? Helping each other grow in Christ-likeness. It's a vital thing for us to do. Are you growing in your faith? Fruitful or barren? Effective and productive or idle and fruitless? Brothers and sisters, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Jesus, him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And he has been very gracious in giving us the knowledge of his will through spiritual wisdom and understanding, as Paul says in Colossians 1, that we might grow in this. Let us grow together. Let's bow our heads.